of life. Welcome to War Eagle Roll Tide. Good evening, War Eagle Roll Tide. Apologize for the technical difficulties. I think we're up. I think we're good. I think we're hot. If we get confirmation on the uh, message board, we'd appreciate that. But welcome to the Not So Serious Show for the Serious Fan. Going to have a great program tonight. Uh, Lee Mark Sellers, a former Auburn player, a native of Bruton, Alabama, played on those great Pat Dye teams in the early, to, excuse me, in the mid to late 80s uh, there at Auburn. Going to call in here in about 10 minutes or so. Looking forward to catching up with him. Going to break down last week's action. Look forward to, to this, this weekend's uh, matchups as well. And, of course, at the uh, bottom of the hour or whenever we get there, the newly minted, released, Top five. Oh, boy, I cannot wait for that. Real quick before Lee Martin gets in with us, and we're certainly looking forward to catching up with him. Tell me real quick, what would you think about last week's game, certainly the marquee matchup, Auburn going to College Station. What was your takeaway? I thought Auburn played really well on defense. I thought they had moments on offense where they looked good and looked polished. Auburn has speed offensively. That's something you can't deny, especially when Schwartz has got the ball in his hand. And, uh, you know, I heard him. Somebody say that it was a hundred and eighteen degrees down on the field. I could believe that. Field. I could believe that. That's excruciating. Yeah, that's hot. tough. That's tough. Texas A and M was in the shade. Auburn was in the sun, and so uh, now I was impressed with that win. I really was. Victory Tour twenty nineteen. Oh yeah, sixty eight in my den. Yeah. Well, oh, you didn't. You didn't make the trip. <laughs> Set that one out. The Pinto didn't. Set that. Pinto, Set that Pinto didn't have the legs uh, for one it. One time huh? to Texas, a falls enough for me. Okay. Well, I can't say I blame you. I want to say this, and of course, the people who follow this program and follow the Facebook page, you picked Auburn as one of your dark horses. I did to to, to get in that college football playoff at the end of the year. Yeah. You have said that. We've exchanged some good natured barbs along the way, and we'll continue to do so. I thought it was a huge game. I thought it was <clears throat> like the Oregon game before it. I thought it was a coin flip game. Could be a coin flip game going in. Uh, having the youth at quarterback, I thought could be an issue. I thought uh, young Bo Nix handled it well. Gatewood made his presence known as well uh, or felt. And I, I thought Gus, and, and you don't always get this every Saturday, I thought Gus called a gym offensively. I thought he had a good plan. I actually thought he, I thought he outcoached Jimbo. I thought the adjustments were better. They were quicker. They were more decisive. And, of course, it's easier to do it when your defense plays like Auburn's did. And they were dominant. So the guy that you crowned or knighted or whatever they call it when they, you know, when they have the sir before the name, Sir Jimbo, who you, who you tabbed as the greatest coach in college football, you just said got outcoached by Gus? He did. He did. Something he tells is. me that was like a three-week setup. No, I think Gus, more times than not, usually at the hands of you, takes a lot of unfair criticism. Well, I've got a bone to pick with Gus, and I went to the airport to meet him. Okay, well, I think he, ta- he, he he's subjected to unfair criticism. I think he does a good job. He runs a clean program. He recruits well. Does he, get, does he lay an egg from time to time? Sure he does. But I would ask this question rhetorically to any Auburn person, and you're welcome to answer. I understand you don't, you're not with us on game day. I get it. If you ran Gus off, who would you get? Well, I can tell you who. You want Moose Champ? I tell you who Yellowfellow wants to get. Well, that's fine, and that's great. Uh, I don't want to get into that crap that A&M's done and Alabama's done. It's, well, wait, wait, wait. it's physically not Al- responsible. What, what, you don't pay a guy. What has Alabama done? You don't pay a guy $10 million to coach college football. You just don't. 
It's not responsible. How much does Gus make a year? I'm going to tell you something. How much does Gus make a year? Seven and a half. Plus, that's base salary. That's what he makes. That's I mean, base salary. This is too much. I'm telling you, and you can mark my words on this. These salaries are getting out of control across the board. These facilities are getting out of control across the board. At some point in time, and I think you're seeing it now, the rubber's going to meet the road, and you're going to lose your captive audience. If you play too many cupcakes, how many people's going to Alabama game this weekend? And that's an SEC football game. Well, and, and it won't be a sellout. And, and it won't be. And, and Saban addressed that. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm telling you, there are problems coming with college football. The business has become too big. It's become well, it, too big, it, and the t- salaries are ridiculous. It's, it's TV. The buyouts are ridiculous. It is, but it's ridiculous. TV's behind. It's ridiculous across the board. The same thing that you sit at home and watch instead of going to Kyle Field. Is behind what's, what's yeah sure. Uh, I mean, who can afford to go? And you know why the prices are what they are to cover the expenses. Why would you pay three hundred dollars to go sit in one hundred eighteen degree heat when you can sit at your house? This fat boy ain't. I'm not either. I'm not either. But I'm just saying that is going to be something to watch moving forward. It's already having effects now. It's already having effects. No, I go, but, that, that makes a lot of sense. But, I'm very shocked. But, but, that but, you're go, but going back, sense but this going. <laughs> <laughs> but going back to that, if you run Gus off, who do you get? Well, Yellowfellow wants to get Stoops. I, I got but, it. but after that, I, I don't I, know. There's a huge drop-off. Would you I take mean, Moose I, Champ? I don't know. No. Would you take Petrino? Mm, they tried to get him once before. I, right, but I mean, he's not the answer. He's not the answer. Do you take Summerlin? I mean, who do you no. get? I mean, Chip Kelly, you know, back at UCLA, he was going to turn them back around. Well, What's he, he done? You, you're kind of in the position Tennessee's in. You're not going to go out and try to if, – if the Tennessee experiment fails with our buddy Jeremy Pruitt, you're not going to go out and get another up-and-riving, uh, up-and-coming uh, assistant. You, you want to go get somebody that's name-brand, that can turn the – and you say turn the program yeah. around, really, because Auburn – to make to that next level, they got to bring somebody in that's got star recognition that can recruit, can make an immediate impact. I'm going to say this one time, and then we have Lee Bark on the phone. We're going to get him in oh, there. I'm, I'm, so I'm going to say this one time, and you better you better hear it. I'm never going to say it again. Alabama's probably the benchmark in the SEC. That's what you're getting for. There's only one active football coach in the say SEC. That one more. I missed There's that one. only one active coach in the SEC that's ever beat him, and it's our guy. Yeah, he's got him twice, tested him another time or two. So, if you're ready to run Gus off, box him up, and send him on his way, that's fine. Pay him $40 million not to coach, and who are you going to get? I say stay what we got. I mean, is eight, is eight, is we'll eight, win, this. eight wins eight, a year good eight. enough? We're, we're getting there. Let, let's talk we're about that. We have, we, we have our calling guest in with us, uh, Lee Mark Sellers, once again, a native of Bruton, played at Auburn on some of those great Pat Dye teams in the mid to late 80s. Excited to have him in with us. Good evening, Lee Mark. Thanks for joining us here on Warrior Roll Tide. Hey, David, how y'all doing down there today? We are doing great. A lot of people listening in, some of your former classmates and childhood friends that you grew up with are in with us tonight. Before we get into some of the Auburn, Alabama stuff, want to ha- want to give you the opportunity to tell us what you're doing, where you're living, what you have going on, talking to us about the family a little bit. What's going on with Lee Mark Sellers? Well, right now, David, I was, uh, I'm back in the coaching. I'm at Woodward Academy. I was in pharmaceutical sales for the last 18 years and transitioned from that and got back into doing what I really love to do. And I'm, uh, coaching at Woodward Academy. I coach defensive line and I also uh, work as assistant dean at Woodward Academy. So, um, that's, that's my job right now or that's my passion right now. It's what I enjoy doing and that's what I get up and go to work and do every day and I get to coach football. So, um, extremely happy to be back coaching. Um, it's always good to be able to do what you're passionate about. So very thankful for that. Um, but family's doing great. Uh, 
You know, my wife works at the, at the same school. She works in the uh, academic dean's office. So um, we're very fortunate to have uh, my youngest son there at Woodward as well. So um, uh, Hunter is a senior at Woodward, and uh, he'll be, uh, he has a verbal commitment to the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, Pat Narduzzi, in fact, he talked to Carson Narduzzi this afternoon for a little while. So we're very excited about that, about Hunter and his opportunities at Pittsburgh. And um, uh, my oldest boy is at, uh, at the University of New Mexico. He signed at Tech in uh, 2015, and he uh, transferred from Tech. He's out at the University of New Mexico. So um, a lot of football going on in our family. Uh, doing a lot of traveling uh, out in Albuquerque. Uh, last weekend and Notre Dame the weekend before that. So um, seeing a lot of part, different parts of the country uh, uh, because of football. So right now it's, it's, it's football season in the Sellers household. Good to hear, and of course, uh, excited about the, the what's going on with the Sutter's boys, and not surprised at all they're following their daddy's footsteps as college football players. And Lee Mark, if you will speak to that just a little bit, as somebody who went through it, the the, the pressures of recruiting, of course, the challenges of uh, breaking in on the depth chart and getting playing time, going through injuries, things along those lines. What has been your role as the dad, as the patriarch, in helping your sons navigate this process? Well, David, I can tell you this. It's, it's, it's exponentially different than it was when I was recruited 30 years ago. Um, doesn't seem like saying 30 years ago. That seems like a long time. But the recruiting process has changed. Uh, the landscape has, has changed tremendously. Uh, from when my oldest boy was recruited in 2015, he he had maybe five, six, seven offers um, to, to D1 schools, and uh, he ended up choosing Georgia Tech. Um, with uh, you just have to help them navigate um, through the process in terms of you know what's going to be a good fit for for them as players and 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 what's going to be a good fit for the for the school it has to be a good fit for for both sides so in in the hard and difficult part about that is you just don't know. I mean, you go for a weekend, and they roll the red, the red carpet out for you on your, one of your, on, your, on these OVs, and, um, and you see the best out of the school. And what I tried to help my sons understand is that if the coaching staff leaves, if you don't play football, would this be a school you'd like to attend? And so we try to take those out of the equation, and then try to come to a, a decision. Um, at that point. So my oldest boy chose Georgia Tech. Now with Hunter, uh, Trent played defensive end, and um, Hunter plays a defensive back. One thing that uh, the difference between Hunter and Trent is, Hunter is a cornerback and he can run. Um, so he had uh, 27, 28 offers. So it got real complex with Hunter, more complex with Hunter than it was with Trent. You know, from 2015 to Hunter got most of his offers as a sophomore, my youngest boy. So um, things had changed from 2015 to 2018-19 with Hunter. So it was more complex. So one of the things we had to do with Hunter is on his spring break is we got uh, in the car and we did uh, went on a tour uh, we went to Purdue, we went to Indiana, we went to Wisconsin, we went to Michigan State, um, um, and, and, and Wake Forest, and obviously Pittsburgh. So these schools that 
were interested in him, we had to kind of narrow him down. You know, we, we got an offer from Nebraska. Well, how realistic was he, was it for him to go to Nebraska? Well, we didn't think Nebraska would be a spot that he would fit in, so we didn't take a trip out there. But you, it, to know you got to go. Um, okay. And we were fortunate enough to be able to, to, to take him to different campuses and and so he could get a real feel, feel for it. So it, it, with Twitter and Instagram, it, it, the recruiting process never stops. I mean, we had to take his phone out of his room uh, so he could go to sleep. I mean, it was it, it had gotten that bad. So um, the it, it's a very difficult process if you don't understand the process. So. I just tried to try to encourage them, and and you know, little, you know, football's only gonna you know be here for so long, and and then you know the you know there's the injury parts of the game. I think you asked me to talk about the injury of my son, uh, my oldest boy Trent towards ACL uh, the last week of training camp or last week of camp last year. So he had to get a medical got a medical red shirt. You know, trying to help him navigate through that piece just the mental aspect of it, you know, can I, and that was the second time he tore his ACL. So, you know, can you, can you make another run at it? You know, so the mental part of it, the physical part of it, uh, it can be quite draining for the player and the parents. So, uh, but you just got to encourage them. And, and, you know, and, and I remember coach die asking me when my oldest boy was, was coming out in 2015, he said, Lee Mark, does he like it or does he love it? Because if he just like it, he's not gonna he's not gonna make it. You gotta love the game, and I think my oldest boy really loves the game. Um, to overcome two ACL uh, injuries, so um, or, or just a part of it. I, you know, it's just it's just a part of the game. Well, Lee Mark, when you, when you were helping them get information, and of course making the visits, whether they were unofficial or official, when it came down to decision time, of course. Um, Trent making the the initial decision to go to Georgia Tech, and then of course Hunter uh, choosing Pittsburgh was that totally their call after getting all the information, gathering the information, and weighing the pros and cons? Was that their choice alone? Yeah, you, you know, I, I told him. I mean, I, you know, going into it, I said I'll I'll be on the sideline. I'll I'll do everything I can to ensure that you can make the best decision that you can make as a player and as a student athlete. Um, Both of my boys, the decision that they made was their decision. I mean, um, neither one of them said, Dad, should I go to Georgia Tech or or should I go to to Pittsburgh? I mean, it was there. In fact, when Hunter committed to Coach Narduzzi at Pittsburgh, I had no idea he was going to commit. I mean, he said it just felt right and um, we kind of talked about it. I said, now on Sunday, they're going to put a lot of pressure on you to commit. You know, I said, so be prepared for that when you have your one-on-one with the with the coach on Sunday. And I said, they're, they're going to turn the heat up. I said, so um, they spent a lot of money on us this weekend, and they're going to turn the heat up and try to get a commitment. And before we even got to that, when we went in Coach Narduzzi's office, uh, we sat down and we sort of started talking. And, and Hunter looked at him and he said, Coach, I want to be a Pitt Panther. And my my wife and I looked at each other, and we had no idea, you know. Um, he had a, a visit to Michigan State the following weekend, so we had no idea. So it was I can honestly say that it was solely their choice um, as far as the universities they picked to to go and play for. Well, has Hunter, since he has committed, and that's not legally binding, that's just saying that there's an offer there to commit to, and he, of course, at this point is there. Right. Has he shut down his recruiting? Is he still going to take some visits, or is he done? 
No, nah, he's not dating anymore. He we we he, he shut it down. I mean, and that was one of the things that Coach Narduzzi asked him was, you know, are you are you are you still flirting? Are you still dating? And he said, no, nah, it's a solid commitment. We hadn't we hadn't been back on the only campus we've been back on is uh, University of New Mexico to see his brother play. Okay, you mentioned at, at the onset of this uh, interview, uh, Lee Mark, that it's changed so much since you went through it. Of course, the recruiting process, the social media has changed the game tremendously in terms of having contact with prospective student athletes. Something else I'd like for you to speak to, and of course, this is from an outsider looking in, is the different support resources that are in place for the student athletes. And, and I, for one, think you can't do enough for them in terms of helping them along their journey. But when you talk about tutorial help with academics and how they live, where they live, the nutrition, the conditioning, all that seems to be tenfold different from when you came through in the mid-80s. Yeah, absolutely, David. Um, as far as the academic support uh, these kids get now uh, at the high school level, uh, you know, we had a counselor um and we have a whole department at Woodward Academy. It's, it's college counseling. I think there's about five, it's staffed with about five or six um, counselors that help kids make sure they um, are, you know, clear, going through clearing house, make sure they're taking their SATs and ACTs and um, um, to, to qualify. Um, when Trent was coming out, in, my oldest boy was coming out in 20. 15, he took ACT and he didn't make as well as he needed to make. So I, I had to hire tutors for math and English to come to our house and they tutored him until he made the score on his ACT that he needed to make to be, uh, to be a qualifier. So, uh, you know, everybody sees what goes on on Friday night, you know, in terms of the athletic piece, but the academic piece is, is in my opinion, is more important than the athletic piece. The athletic piece is there. Okay, I mean, either the kid has it or he doesn't. But as far as the academic piece, that's where a lot of people are missing the boat. And that's where a lot of kids are, are missing opportunities. But we were, we're fortunate enough. It's Woodward is a private school, and, and it has all the college counselors. We have grade-level counselors. So um, the parents are well-informed in terms of what the kids lack and need. And it's my understanding now that the NC, um the clearinghouse is now starting to text kids um, what they need in terms of to, to be eligible eligible and go through clearinghouse. So um, it, it's, a, it's a moving, it, it's a process that's still evolving, and um, you just got to stay on top of it as, as a parent and as a student athlete to ensure that you're doing the things that you need to do to be able to qualify and get into the university of your choice. Lee Mark, with, with some of the young guys that are coming out now that might be listening in or might watch this show later, what guidance did you and your wife give your sons at, like in terms of social media responsibility? You hear on some of these different uh, pregame uh, TV sets, people talking about how these college coaches will monitor or follow different uh, prospective student athletes on social media to see how they mm-hmm. post, the kind of language they use, the content, this, that, and the other. Did you and your wife offer some guidance for your children in terms of being cautious, being careful? Because when you hit send, it's out there. That, that's correct, David. One of the things that uh, Lisa and I talked to, to our, not only our boys, but our daughter about is social media. Um, you know, it only takes us a second or two to, to to put something out there that's inappropriate and shouldn't be out there, and it can it can ruin your character. Um, and then it'll take forever to to try and fix that. Um, so with our boys, 
so and, and with my daughter with social media, we we have access to their phones because I felt like if I pay the bills, I should have access to their phones. So in terms of things that they post, you know, you know, no dirty language. Um, in terms of profanity, um, you know, they, they they hear the music they listen to. They, you know, the N word comes up a lot, and that's just not a part of our vocabulary, and it's just not who we are. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I tell my kids that you know you have a last name, and that's what you who you are, and that's what you represent. And with with social media. You know, cameras are everywhere. So if you're somewhere you shouldn't be, if you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, I promise you somebody's taking a picture of it because once you become that student athlete, you're under a microscope, okay? Everybody watches what you do. Everybody watches what you say. Everybody watches what you post. So once you become uh, that student athlete, once you get on, you got to understand what it represents and how to utilize it or that same platform can bring you down. So we emphasize that to our kids, David, that, you know, you have a platform, whether you want it or not, you know, you're, 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 you're a trend. You're at New Mexico and Hunter, you're going to the, you know, you're going to the university of Pittsburgh and towards that. My daughter's at Georgia state. So whatever platform you're on, you know, once you're under that microscope, people are watching your every move. So you just got to be cognizant of what's going on um, around you and, and, and you got to think, you know, kids are so spontaneous now. They don't think before they act. So you just kind of got to slow down and say, you know, now is this just going to, how's this going to impact me and my family and, and something that you may do something stupid that can impact you five, 10 years down the road. So you just got to be real careful with what you put out there in social media. Well, that, that'll help us transition into our next segment. And, and of course, uh, you've always been first class, came from a great family here, obviously raising a great family there on your own. Um, how important, of course, having that parental guidance at the house and, and that influence at the house is so important. But so many student athletes don't always have that or don't have it intact as much as uh, some others do. How important when they go off these college campuses are the coaching staffs and the guys that you turn these you turn your children over to in terms of having them for the next four or five years? How important were the coaches at Auburn when you went? Well, you know, as, as far as Hunter and Trent, uh, was concerned when Trent was going to Georgia Tech, Mike Pelton recruited Trent. He was a defensive line coach and he's an Auburn guy. And, and I knew Mike before he even started recruiting Trent. I knew a little bit about Ted Roof because he was at Auburn and he was a DC at Tech when they recruited Trent. And, and I knew something about these guys. I'd been around them, um, before and I kind of knew what they stood for. And I was comfortable turning my son over to those two guys. Didn't know a lot about Paul Johnson, um, but, you know, we learned a lot about him as we uh, went through the process. So you, you got to feel comfortable and say, okay, I'm not going to be there. Mom's not going to be there. You know, so these are the guys that my sons are going to be looking up to in terms of, you know, are these are these Christian men, are these men of character, are these family men, or, you know. So you, you look at that in terms of, um, of who you turn your child over to, or who you turn your kids over to. And when I go to their office, you know, I look to see what kind of books they read. I look to see if they got pictures of their families up in their offices. So, um, you know, so you, you got to say, okay, these guys are going to influence my son for the next four or five years. And so when I got to Auburn, you know, I lost my dad when I was nine years old. So my mother never remarried. She died as a widow of 31 years. Um, 
So she never remarried. So the guys, the men that were involved in my life in college, they were, they pinched hit for my dad. Those were the guys. It was Coach Dye, James Daniels, Joe Witt, um, Wayne Bolt, I mean, Neil Calloway. I mean, those were the guys that, that raised me from 18 to 22 who were very um, influential in terms of, of, of who I am today. You know, I, I go eat lunch with Coach Dye about every every spring of every year. And, and you know, and, and, I, and I tell him thank you. You know, I say, look, you, you were that guy for me <laughs> from 18 to 22 that, that showed me how to be a man, that showed me, about sacrifice and discipline and hard work. So, you know, when those those were the guys for me. Those were the guys for me. And so, when I tell my boys, I say these are the guys that you're going to uh, that's going to influence your life. You know, your character and who you and who you are. You know, can I come back and have a conversation with this guy ten years from now when I'm about to ask somebody to marry me? You know, can I have a conversation with these guys? You know, and, and the proper way to do things. So, um, you, you got to be careful uh, who you turn your kids over to because the reality of it is this, David. Coaches can be here today and going tomorrow. You know, they can get a, 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 a you know, a big con. You know, you may have somebody that's not at a Power 5 school. Your kid goes there and then two years later that staff is gone. So now you got new guys coming in. So um, one of the things that I did ask and did get involved with my sons were you know, longevity. You know, you guys plan on being here for a while. And of course they tell you yes, but you know, and that's all you can go on is what they say. However, um, you, you just have to go on your gut feeling. I mean, it's a, you roll the dice. You do all the investigations, the investigative things that you can do, and you try to make the best educated decision that you can make that's a good fit for the program and for your child. Well, Lee Mark, we talked, you know, on the intro part of this that when you were at Auburn, you know, that was kind of the heyday in terms of Coach Dye getting that program turned around. You played on some of the great teams there in the in the in the mid to late eighties. Played with a lot of great players. Um, um you and I, I think I remember, I think I'm right in saying that you and Walter Reeves, y'all signed in the same class, is that correct? Yes, that's yeah. correct. And of course, uh, a lot of two tight end sets back in those days and both of you guys were just devastating blockers. Uh, for those high-powered Auburn offenses. And, of course, uh, I'm going to say it. I know you won't. Uh, one of the great plays in, in the history of Auburn football was a reverse to victory at Legion Field. Go. Lawyer Tilbin on the reverse. Well, I can tell you who set yep. the edge was Lee Mark Seller. Yeah, you've told, you've told me he's, that a he's in, the Daniel, he's in the Daniel Moore print. <laughs> he sets the edge. Lawyer doesn't score without Lee Mark Seller's block. It's there. It happened. It's real. But I want you to speak a little bit about those days, uh, being in the locker room, uh, being on those teams, being in those games. Uh, of course, those of us as, as fans, and this show is centered around that, I think it's the greatest rivalry in the history of sports, and we get to celebrate it here every day. We choose to celebrate it here on this show. But speak to what it was like to be in those wars, to be in those games, because back in those days, from the early 80s to the late 80s, it was blood in, blood out, and usually whoever had the ball last was going to win that football game. Yeah, David, I, I, I agree with you in terms of the Auburn-Alabama game. It's um, it's probably one of the most fiercest, you know, robbers in the country. And, and of course, I'm biased, and um, and, I, and I don't think there's a robbery, a robbery in the country as fierce as that one. Uh, you know, growing up in the great state of Alabama, you're one or the other. Um, it's no in-between. Um, playing on the playing in those games and on those teams, we, we had a – I mean, we, we, we had a lot of great athletes, and so did Alabama. Um, and it was one of those deals to where, um, you know, 
who executed the best that day. And it wasn't they were more athletic than us and we were more athletic than them. It was just who who executed um, um you know, that day the best and that's typical one the game, but it, it was a situation to where it was it was pressure packed. It was a you knew when it was Auburn Alabama weekend, you knew the the, the when you heard the practice schedule, when you heard, you know, what we were doing in practice, you knew that you know, it was Alabama and Auburn time. Uh, the coaches, their, their tones were different. Um, practice was different. Meetings were different. Um, and I would say, you know, classes were different. I mean, you go to class and everybody, you know, we had two weeks off and they had two weeks off to prepare. Um, and so it was, a, it was a situation to where, you knew what it meant, and people didn't let you forget what it meant. And when you were on the winning end of, those, of, of, of that deal, the next 364 days were, were good days. Um, and if you weren't, you know, uh, it was always brought to your attention uh, for the next 364 days that uh, we need to beat Alabama. Um, from, the, from a fan base, from coaches, faculty, administration, the students, I mean, we need to beat Alabama. So I never will forget Coach Dye in his interview when he got the job. I think one of the questions that he was asked was, how long will it take you to beat Alabama? And he simply said 60 minutes. And and that's exactly what it takes. I mean, it takes 60 minutes of flawless football to win win that game Uh, because everybody's playing as hard as they can play. Um, People are cheering as hard as they can cheer and pulling for their teams. And it's just one of those deals to where – um, you you gonna leave it all out on the field, and you know they gonna leave it all out on the field. So, you know, it, it was it was. I wouldn't say it was easy. I mean, I was fortunate enough to play with some great running backs: Bo Jackson, Brent Fullwood, Tommy Ag. And you knew if you could block and hold your block long enough that those guys were gonna, you know, they were they were gonna get you what they could get you. So, um, and, and Coach Guy didn't make any bones about it. You know, he he said we need to beat Alabama. I mean, he said that's why I'm here. That's why you're here. You know, when I signed at Auburn, I was told that we'd never beat Alabama. I lost to them one time. Um, and, I, and I can tell you, when you lose to them, the next 364 days, you know, spring practice is a little bit tougher. Winter workouts a little bit tougher. Um, so um, you're constantly reminded when you lose that game. But I can tell you, it's real sweet when you can win them. A lot of your old, a lot of old friends are in watching the program. Uh, Lee Market on the pass this hello along uh, a good friend of yours, uh, certainly a good friend of mine, the Deacon Dwayne Drakeford's in. He said hello to you. Well, tell Dwayne I said hey. He, he good, just heard you. Good to hear from him. Lee Mark, what was your – how many SEC championship teams did you play on while you were at Auburn? Uh, two. Two. You mentioned being two. three and one in the Iron Bowl. What years did, did we win it when you were there? Was it 87 and 88? Uh, the only 87. year – now, David, I, I – it's this. It gets cloudy now. Cause <laughs> the only year I lost to Alabama was when Van Tiffin kicked the fifty-two yard field goal. I'm that gonna was, tell you, that man. was eighty-five. That was eighty. I'm gonna tell you something. Okay. You know, the Alabama fans, of course, have a, uh, a a thorn in their side. Was the kick six games? The kick six game, obviously, for me, it was the Van Tiffin game. I mean, that's one that yeah. we let get away. That was one that was. I was yeah. there. I was uh, I oh, think yeah. fifteen years old, and it was just. I think the thing that was most painful about it. It was a fifty-two yard field goal, and I think it would have been good from sixty-two. 
I mean, he just drilled it. Yeah, I mean, and we were all and we were offside and still didn't block yeah, it. Yeah, still didn't block it, and that was just a tough yeah. one. I mean, just a tough one. Yeah. And I remember the first play of the drive, we sacked Shula for about a ten yard loss. Clock's running, and I'm thinking, here we go, we got him. And uh, then they run the yeah. reverse to Al Bell to pick up a first down, and they hit the pass, and then Richardson drags Bivens out of bounds, and here we go. But, out of bounds, that's right. Yeah, that that that's one right. still that still haunts me. And like you said, that's thirty some odd years later. But that was, to, and you made you made a mention, you know, and and you referenced Coach Die sixty minutes. I mean, those games went down yeah. in the last second, and if, and if you and if you couldn't yeah. finish the race, you might find yourself on the wrong side of it. And we did that night, no doubt. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. I'm glad we're out of that dump. Don't get me wrong, but what was it like playing on Legion Field? Um, of course, we didn't know any different. Um, we know we had a nice stadium in Auburn and um, would welcome them to come play at our place. And Legion Field was uh, supposed to be a neutral site. However, Alabama played three or four games there a year, so we never felt like it was a neutral site. I guess we did it to appease the City Council of Birmingham, but uh, I was glad to see Coach Dyer put his foot down and say, um, "If we're the home team, we're playing it all." And one of my—if I had any—if I had any regret of the Auburn Alabama game is, you know, we never got with the teams we had. We never got to play them at our place. They didn't want any of that, Lee Mark. Trust me, they would have wanted. I, I, I think I think most of the guys I played with, you know, would have loved to had the experience that the players get the experience today that we didn't get, and that was the play. And of course, we'd have had to go to Tuscaloosa, and that would have been a, a challenge for us as well, or, or Birmingham, whichever one they wanted us to play at. But um, I was glad when Coach Dye put his foot down and said, um, uh, we're the home team, and we're going to play at our place, or we're not going to play. So, um, and, I, and I think a lot of guys I've played with uh, – we would have cherished the opportunity to play play that game in our place. Just to, you know, I mean, I went to the first one that uh, we played at Auburn. And I mean, it was it, it was a sight. I mean, it was electric. I mean, it was uh, it was a sight I've never seen before. And as a player, that's a great atmosphere to play in. Lee Mark, this is Tony Burnham, I'm DJ's co-host, and hey. I have I have a childhood memory, and like you said earlier, things kind of get foggy. And, and this is my memory, and you may remember it, you may not, but it's one of my most lasting, cherished childhood memories, I think, if it's true. I don't know how old I was, but I I rode my bike up to the football stadium, T.R. Miller. You were, I believe, a senior, maybe a junior, I can't remember. Walter Lewis was back in town and he was at the field, and he was throwing. And I want to say that he was throwing to you and a couple of other guys. And I got got to run out, get out there and run with y'all and catch a few passes. Do you do you vaguely remember that any any of that happened, Lee Mark? He'd have been the guy with the busted nose. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he didn't get his hands up in time and oh, wouldn't have caught it. But yeah, he'd have been the little the little the little rascal that had the bloody nose over on the sideline if you remember it. Did, do you? Well, you, you, you you know, Walter was a mentor of mine, um, and that I, 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 I can't say that I do, Tony, remember it, but, I, you know, I, I did spend a lot of time with Walter Lewis and Walter Broughton and those guys, and they were, uh, they were they, like I said, they were mentors of mine, and I did not, um, I do not remember that incident, but I wouldn't be surprised if we weren't up there working out with with, with Walter, and because um, um, we did all the time, because um, he was one of my 
one of my heroes, one of my mentors that I looked up to. So, you know, this was um, this would have been like a Sunday afternoon or something. Anyway, it, it, even if it didn't have happen, Lee Mark, you, you're in one of my most fondest <laughs> memories. So, I, I want you to be aware well, of that. Well, but, but, but you grew up being a T.R. Miller, you know, player, and and I'm sure a fan growing up, and, and back there for little kids, even the T.R. Miller football players. Were like heroes, and especially mm-hmm. Lee Mark Sellers or, or, or you know Walter Lewis, somebody like that. And when you found out they were back in town, you you you, you kind of got a little bit excited about it. But anyway, um, I, I do have one serious question I want to ask you about because this has come up on our Facebook page from time to time this week. Um, the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. What's your feelings about that? Well, Tim, I tell you. Um like I said, I've, I've had a son that's transferred, and it's Tony. one of the things that I told him, <laughs> one of the things that I told him was, um, you know, you're gonna do it the right way. I said you're gonna go talk to your position coach, which is Mike Pelton. You're gonna you're gonna go talk to your defensive coordinator, which is Ted Roof, and you're gonna go talk to Paul Johnson, and you're gonna sit down, and you're gonna look him in the face, and you're gonna tell him, you know, that you know this is not a good fit for you know whatever. Um, you're going to tell him, you know, it's um, it's not going to all be about playing time, you know. So he and I talked about what he, how he was going to wordsmith and have and how that conversation was going to look and how that conversation was going to sound. So, um, and and that's what he did. He went and talked to him and face to face and and then told him that yeah, he his, he was planning to transfer and um, it just didn't work out. It wasn't a good fit. Right. Um, but now with this transfer portal. Um, I mean, you don't have to go and talk to anybody. You can just, if it's open, you can just go put your name in the transfer portal and you can start looking and then you can leave. Um, to me, uh, we're making it too easy for kids to say, um, this is tough. Uh, I want to, I want to go look somewhere else or whatever the reason may be. We're making it too easy. You know, we're getting kids away from the face to face conversations that need to take place. Um, we, we're, we're, we're moving away from that by the transfer portal. Um, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, I think you should do it the old fashioned way. See, when I was playing, we very, very rarely had anybody to either transfer or somebody transferred in. You either, you just quit, you just quit the game. Now we had guys that did that, just quit the game. Um, I think Kirk Crane was a guy that transferred in from, uh, from Memphis and, and Carrick and Cunningham transferred in from uh, North Carolina. And in my four or five years at Auburn, we had maybe two guys that transferred in now. Um, I didn't now realize, is, I, yeah, I didn't realize Kirk Crane was a transfer. He he contributed a lot to y'all's team. Yeah, he was awesome. Yeah, Kirk was all American linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so, so Kurt transferred in from Memphis and Carrick and Cunningham transferred in from from North Carolina, then when it, the, the SMU got the death penalty, we got to be picked up a fullback from SMU. But in five years, we had three players that transferred in. And I can't recall any players that, you know, transferred and, and went to other schools. Like I said, they either just quit. Um, but now with this transfer portal, it, it's just so easy to say, okay, I don't like this place. It wasn't what I thought. Okay, I'm, I'm out. Um, you know, it took a lot of the, the personal uh, the character development pieces out of if you I'm not against transferring obviously because my son did it however but I think there's a white a right and classic way to do it 
Right, and I totally agree with you, and I stated that on our Facebook page today. I have a daughter that plays college softball, and and she hadn't transferred in college, but when we were in high school, we transferred from one school to the other, and um, much like you did with your son, I sat down with her, and I said, here's how you're going to handle it, and and we handled it the right way. I just feel like the transfer portal now is – very convenient and very easy that somebody gets mad mm-hmm. and, and and like you said earlier kids today they, they make rash decisions and and don't put a lot, of, a lot of forethought into thing things it would seem it just makes it easy for them to find a, and get a way out and then you don't build that character and you don't build that toughness that coach die instilled in you that's why i'm against right. the transfer portal in its current form so right. I, I was just interested to you You've kind of been on both sides from the collegiate level. You 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 played. They didn't have that available, and, and then you know you've got a son that was in it, and one that's that's about to be in it again. So uh, I just thought it'd be interesting for people to hear your take on it, but it's very similar yeah. to mine. So yeah, Lee Mark, I got a question, another question for you, and it has to do with scheduling. Um, when you came through, Coach Die was notorious for playing everybody: Nebraska, right. Texas. Florida State. I remember one year we played Boomer Sison in Maryland for homecoming. Uh, didn't right. dodge anybody. Of course, had Amen Corner there at the end of the year. Florida, Georgia, Alabama. Uh, we embrace mm-hmm. that each and every year. Um, didn't shy away from it. And it seems now the movement has been for team good teams, oftentimes to load up with cupcakes. And right. I don't know. I don't know if you find out if you find out the lessons you need to about your football team. I don't know if you're teaching the lessons as people. In terms of uh, getting out there and grinding it out, sometimes you come on the short end of the stick. That's the way it happens. But what do you think about some of these teams who make the choice, who choose to play nobody? Well, David, I think you hit the nail on the head. You don't you don't find out a lot about your players, and your team, and your team chemistry when you play teams that you ought to beat. You find a lot out about your your players, and your teams, and your coaching staff. When you, when you are playing, uh, put them in situations where they're not comfortable or, or, or when they're facing some adversity, uh, th- that's when you find out who people really are. You know, um, you don't, it, it, you get the surface stuff when you play cupcake teams. And, and, and some teams with the way that the, the Final Four is set up, you know, they play these cupcake, team, cupcake teams and they run the score up and, um, and it makes them look good. You know, they, you know, when you can say I'm 10 and 0, you know, uh, well, I played 10 games, we won all 10 of them. Um, you know, so that, or 12 of them, or whatever, whatever you, whatever your schedule is. Um, but you, when you play these soft teams and these cupcake teams, um, I just don't think you find out a lot about your football team and your players. I think you find out more about your players when they're, in situations where they've got to play hard for 60 minutes and um, and they're challenged for 60 minutes is, uh, you know, when, you know, and I know a lot of these smaller schools, this is the way they make their budget and they make money when they go and play. You know, and I think South Alabama played Nebraska. Um, you know, well, should, Nebraska should beat South Alabama, no doubt. Yes. But then, you know, South Alabama's going to get a nice paycheck and, you know, hopefully you don't get a lot of kids banged up and hurt. Um but I think you find out a little bit about your team when they're facing some adversity and they got to play for 60 minutes. Oh, I think, you know, one of the things that I'm most proud of, 
with the Auburn tradition and the Auburn history is we've earned everything that we've ever gotten. We don't have as much as some, according to some people. You know, these polls, they can take these polls and stick it. You know, everybody's got one. Uh, it's a beauty right. pageant more times than not. You either earn it on the field or it's nothing in my book. And I, you know, I, right. I, I referenced Amen Corner. I mean, you can't, there, there are teams now who wouldn't physically survive it. Just because of no. the gauntlet you guys had to run, and and I wish we'd go back that way. I made the comment here a couple of weeks ago that, uh, and it was no offense to Missouri. I'd like to kick them out of the SEC, have thirteen teams, and then everybody just play everybody, blood in, blood out every Saturday, and we'll see how it shakes out at the end. But now you have these cross divisional matchups that you know that that Birmingham decides who's traditional, who's not. You know, we've drawn Georgia right. now for fifteen years in a row, and Alabama gets Tennessee. Well, okay, that's great. Uh, I can tell you who's who's got the short end of that stick, but that's fine. That's neither here nor there. I want to play them all. That's the way we've always been, but I appreciate you speaking to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where it was. We ran the gauntlet, man. It wasn't SEC East or SEC West. You just held, you just played the SEC, everybody the SEC. And it it, it shook out where it shook out. I mean, what what do you think about this year's Auburn team? I I know that you've probably had a a chance to watch them a lot with your son playing. Maybe you've caught some highlights or read some articles or whatnot or seen some replays. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on this year's team through four games? Um, You know, you're right, David. I hadn't seen a lot of games because I'm traveling, watching my boys play, watching my son, oldest boy play. Um, I've caught some highlights. Um, I've talked to Rodney Garner a few times. Uh, I knew we'd be pretty stout defensively. Um, uh, you know, I, the big question going into the season was quarterback. And, now, and you know, right now, Nick's is, is, is the guy. Hopefully he'll get better each week. I mean, he's playing like a freshman, but um, hopefully he, he's, he's growing up a lot. I think he's growing up a lot from the – first game until um, this past weekend. So uh, I think the challenge for us at Auburn now is to, is to get better each week uh, with the personnel that we have and the players that we have. So, um, I, like I said, going into the season, you know as well as I do, defense is going to win it for you in the end. But um, uh, And I've always felt that we'd have a pretty good defense going into this season. And, and, and we do. Our defense is playing, you know, they're playing well. And, um so, as long as we can play well on defense, I think I think we can we can make a pretty decent run at it. Um, you know, we just to get into the meat of the schedule here in the next couple of weeks. But I think uh, you know, as long as the defense is playing well, it'll give our quarter young quarterback an opportunity to mature and, and get better because he's going to make some mistakes. He's going to make. I mean, a year ago he's playing high school football. Now he's playing in a Power Five conference and on a Power Five team. So, uh, I think with patience and. And uh, you know, um, with him just getting better each week, I think I think Auburn's gonna have a. I think we're gonna be in it at the end. I think we're gonna be in it at the end. So a lot of people don't expect us to, but I, I feel strongly that we, that we will. Uh, we'll we'll have a shot. We have a shot to, to play for it anyway. Well, Lee Mark, we we appreciate you spending some time with us tonight. I know how busy your day is from being at the schoolhouse, being on the practice field, of course, doing the the husband duties and father duties, and we appreciate you taking some time to spend with us. This has been enjoyable. It's been a lot of fun. We've always enjoyed catching up with you and hearing some of the insight that you have to offer, and uh, we just really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us here tonight. Hey, David, no doubt, but I've got one question for you. You asked me a lot of questions tonight. Yes, sir. Your 2019 victory tour. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. I want to ask you, is that your intellectual property? I don't know that it is. Uh, 
I can't spell intellectual, so it's... I, I, well, it's hard for me to pronounce it. It's, it's, that's a big <laughs> word for us boys from Bruton, I tell you. That's right. Uh, it was something I felt good about going into the season. I really thought, before the Oregon game, I really thought that this was going to shape up to be a, a special season. And my reasoning was the number of seniors we had coming back and the quality of people mm-hmm. they are. I know they're good players, but they're good people. And when you when you match character with talent, special things can happen. I do think that, uh, that the Oregon game was, was a game that could have gone the other way. We were fortunate to win it. Win it. I think it gives you a chance to gain some momentum, get some confidence, get better. I thought the A&M game was going to be a coin flip. We won that one. So I think as this young team gets better in terms of our quarterbacks and the senior leadership we have in place, we got a real chance. I'm like you. A lot of tough games coming up, a lot of tough games. One of the things that I enjoy most about the challenge is every team we play is undefeated. And as Auburn people, we wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, Oregon's obviously undefeated. Right. It's the opener. Two lanes undefeated. We beat them. It's the only game they've lost. Florida's going to be undefeated in two weeks. Hopefully, we will We will be also. Uh, LSU looks like right. they're going to be undefeated. Georgia might be undefeated. Yeah. And that team at the end of the schedule might be undefeated. But I'm looking forward to the gauntlet. Oh, yeah. I love running it. But 2019 yeah. victory tour, it felt right. And I'm riding it till it kicks me off. <laughs> yes know, or no? You know, so me ask you, that que- you know who told me to ask you that question, right? JC? Yeah, Pat. Pat did? Okay, Pat did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I actually got it from one of his friends, Greg McCrary, several years ago, like 2006 or 2005. He had a victory tour, and it lasted two weeks. I think we got <laughs> we got popped by Southern Miss or somebody, so it didn't last long that year. But, yeah, I'm going to ride it. Yeah, let's ride it, baby. Let's ride it together. All right, well, David, I appreciate the opportunity to come on your show, man. We might try to catch up with you later in the year if that's okay. A good deal, no doubt. All right, good luck with the with Hunter and Trent and their uh, all, everything they have going on. Y'all be good, and we'll get up with you later, Lee Mark. All right, well, War Eagle, David. War Eagle. All right, see you. Bye-bye. Wow, Lee Mark Sellers, good guest. Another good guest. We've had nothing but good guests on this program. That was good. That was fun. Very upset with you right I now. I told you that I knew what I was talking about. I'm very upset with you right now. I told you that I knew what I was talking about. But I'm very upset with you right now. Why? What have I done? I'm a fair guy. That was fair. Let, let, let me tell you, it, it's kind of like the Jay Giles band song, Angel is a Centerfold. You know, he's just shocked that his childhood, you know, my childhood, my childhood yeah. hero. Yeah. You have him using the word cupcake. Hey, it is what it is, man. Mark and Lee Mark off my list. It is what it is. He, I tell you, and you great and interview. But you made you Mark. made this. He was he was a bad man. It's Tony, by it, the way. It, it was it was known early on that he, he graduated. Was, that he was with a guy. He did. He, he did. He did. But I'm gonna tell you something. And, and, and he said your name like five times. He couldn't even get mine right once. Well, we both played at T.R. Miller. Uh, winning (laughs) proof of that but you know one of the things that that i haven't had a chance to mention and and i think we mentioned each week it looks good tonight what is that velvet the oh the hair (laughs) you jelly you just jelly is that velvet i'm letting it grow out here we go here we go (laughs) Two one two five 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 hair Maurice and Tony hair plugs from in looks good man. 
jelly. You need some of it. Let's. I'll tell you, but and we're and we're going to get into the poll here in just a minute. We said there'd be a shake up. There was a shake up. It was it was on the field. Um, let's get back to last week's action just a little bit. And I have you know we we talked about the Auburn game a little bit, and and I'm asking this is a serious question. We've had okay. fun. We've had fun here. In Alabama, as an Alabama fan, has there been? Is there any concern on your part? We we've talked about how good they are in the passing game, and they're they're they're. I don't know that we've seen anything quite like it, to be honest with you, in, in recent memory. Do you have any concerns about being able to run the football and stop the run against good competition that's coming in November? Yeah, I, I think there's still a lot of question marks. Offensive line's one. Front seven on defense is one. Quarterback, not so much. Robert receivers, not so much. Running back position, not so much. They can't get much to them because offensive line, I think. Now, hopefully there's going to be a piece of that puzzle installed this weekend because Brown will be coming back off of suspension. That'll help. So, you know, hopefully they can do some shuffling and get people back in their natural positions, and, and, and that'll help a little bit. I, you know, we're, we're going to be, what, five weeks in? And still really not going to know a whole lot about Alabama football? Would you say right now, and, and I know what my opinion of it is, third down and two offensively for Alabama right now is a passing down. It's a quick slant. And that that is, that, that is different from anything yeah. that we've seen in our lifetimes. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to be fair about yeah. it, we're fair guys. Yeah. Third and two is a passing down. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's, you run a quick slant off that, or or some kind of RPO maybe. But you know, it, it's that's concerning to me. The defense is concerning to me. It seems like every week we get somebody hurt or somebody banged up, and we're not one hundred percent. And uh, that's that to me. That just becomes one more asterisk in my mind by if if Alabama has the stuff this year to make it all the way to the playoffs. I don't know that they do. Of the last... I'm not saying they don't. I'm just saying I don't know that they do because we're we're going to the fifth weekend of the season. And other than what I just laid out to you, there's there's not a whole... There's still a lot of question marks. Sure. That's fair enough. A lot of question marks. That's fair enough. I think there's some on Auburn's part. Well, there's no question. But but Auburn has has a better running game. Auburn's defense is playing a lot better than what Alabama's is right now. Well, there's a – it would appear it is. Yeah, there there are things – I mean, it, it, I agree. I agree with everything you just said, by the way, and that will probably be the only time this year that I do that. But I agree with everything you just said. But, but here's the crazy thing about it. If you go look at their stats, their stats are really, really good. Yeah. yeah. They just don't look they, like the Alabama defenses of the past. That was my question to you, and, and that was that's what I was going to follow up with. Go back to 2009. Alabama won the Mythical National Championship in 2009. It was real. That moving forward, what's your gut feeling with this team compared to all those? Like, to me, I'm not saying they won't win the Mythical National Championship this year. I'm saying looking at them on TV, they look less imposing than some of the other ones. Here's here's when I watched games in the past, on de- I'm a defensive guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate good offenses. I understand sure. good offenses, but sure. I love watching great defenses play. And Alabama has had great defenses in the mm-hmm. past. And when I mean great defenses in the past, defenses to where if a guy got two yards, you felt like you got beat on the play. Right. If it wasn't at the line or behind the line mm-hmm. of scrimmage, you felt like it was a failed down and they sure. won that down. Um, 
what I find myself this year when Alabama's on defense is hoping to keep them under five yards. Mm-hmm. And that is a it's a departure of how I felt about Alabama defenses in the past. That's not to say it couldn't be shored up. That's sure, not to say sure. things can't come, people can't get healthy, and schemes may you know run differently or they plug people in. But right now, I just I don't see the dominance up front, and I don't see the speed that I've seen in the past. Well, and I'm and I agree with you. I, I agree with what you're saying, and I'm going to take that. I'm going to transfer it to the team that I pull for. That's what I saw for three quarters at College Station. Our defensive line was resetting the line of scrimmage on their side of the ball. Derrick Brown was a man playing with boys in that football game. Well, I had two of them yeah. on my first team and, and one and, on my second. He had not necessarily shown up yet like he was – he did. He made his presence known Saturday. He, yeah. And, of course, he won the national award for defensive lineman of the week or, or whatever it was. But that Auburn defense – and down through the years, Auburn has played some good defense. We had a spell there where we where we weren't that good. I mean, we had some good players, but we weren't good as a unit. But our unit, I think, is looking a lot like some of the units that y'all have had. We're mm-hmm. fast. We tackle great. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we missed. Uh, I think Smoke Monday came in Saturday and missed an uh, 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 open field tackle that resulted in an additional twelve or fifteen yards being picked up. But if we get there. Odds are you're going down. We're, we're, we're going to get our arms on you, and you're going down. And, and whoever the tackling coach is needs a lot of yeah, I pats agree. on the back. I agree. Because I agree. Auburn has not been known, at least as of late, sure. as a great tackling team. I, I don't, Especially I don't on disagree. the perimeter on the uh, edges. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's where they've had the biggest improvement is yeah. on the edges. Yeah. The guys who come up and take those three-yard plays and let them be three-yard plays because if they're not, then they're seven, they're eight. Yeah. Teams get ahead of schedule, get ahead of the chains, and you're in trouble. You mentioned the two yards a minute ago, and I've said this for years. I've said this for, for 20 years. Against Alabama on first down, if you can get three yards, you won. If you're second and seven, all of a sudden the drive is manageable. But so many times you're second and ten, you're second and eleven, and then they really pin their ears back, and you're done. Yeah, the, I mean you're you're done. So I, I I've said it for years. I've yelled at a lot of TV sets. Get me three, get me three. I don't care if it's a reverse. I don't care if it's a flea flicker. I don't care if it's thirty two dive. Get three yards on first down against Alabama, and you have a chance. Well, you have that, a chance. That's how you beat Alabama. You have a chance. I agree. And then teams will beat them. It's not going to be big plays over the top. You got to keep the chains I moving. I mean, that sounds very simple to say and say, well, yeah, you can keep chains moving and see anybody going to beat them. But Bama's pretty well coached. You're not going to beat them in a lot of big shots. You're going to have to, you're going to have to, it's going to have to be a death by a thousand cuts to beat Alabama. And, and, and I don't see it being any different this year. I just think it's, you don't need to do a thousand this year. It may be 899 cuts and you can beat them. Uh, I just, I just, their defense is just not playing to, to what I would expect them to be playing. Well, well, let me ask you this: not that they're young, and, and, and this is a fair question. Also, if you believe that there are X number of good coaches in college football, and mm-hmm. I believe there is an end to that, there is not an infinite number of good established coaches in college football, pro football, high school football, wherever you want to go with it. Does the turnover over time does that become a concern or not? In terms of the coach style. You're talking about for assistance. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of turnover, especially this past year. I'm not saying these guys are yes. the bad ones. But, it's, yes. I mean, okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, continuity. It, it, the one continuity Alabama's had has been Saban, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and he runs the program, but he, but he also lets his, whether people realize this or not, and he probably – doesn't have that reputation like Jeff Allen talked about on a show that mm-hmm. he has public perception is a lot different than the way he normally he really is. 
he hires and brings in people who run a certain style of offense but or defense, um, and more so on the offensive side, you, you have a lot of freedom if you're a coordinator over there. And he went and got Sarkeesian and brought him back, I think, because there was that comfort level with him. There was some sort of continuity with him. Mm-hmm. There are some players mm-hmm. there on the team that, that were there when Sark was there, like, what, two two years ago. Yep. Um, so I think he may have been trying to uh, – that's a good point, good question you brought up, something I ain't really thought about. But I, I think maybe he went and, and kind of retread Sark to bring him in to try to establish some of that continuity. Plus, I think he knew what he had on – Offense, mm-hmm. all those wide receivers. Sure, sure, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Wh- whether it would be Jalen or Tua, he's going to have somebody that can run the fire out of RPOs, and maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and you run RPOs, and you run those things when you're not, when you don't have a lot of faith in the offensive line. Mm-hmm. My opinion, I don't disagree. And so, maybe him being the master that he is, he realized all this was on the horizon. Let's get this kind of guy, Sark, mm-hmm. that runs this type of offense that would fit our personnel. To a T, and that's one thing that he has done in his thirteen or fourteen years there. He has changed with the times. He has no and, question. And he has no question. He has gotten coaches and put in schemes that fit his personnel, whether mm-hmm. it be on offense or defense. Well, you know, staying with the assistant coaches here for just a minute, like you take Kirby Smart, who was with him for so many years, great football coach, great defensive coordinator, doing a great job as head coach at Georgia. Uh, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with from from now to whenever, probably. Um, I don't know. I know you replace him with a person. But I don't know you replace him in terms of what he brings to the table. And you can have a real good coach and not be Kirby smart. I mean, right. what, what Kirby well, did with, with, with Gus, I'm sure uh, socially, I mean, I'm sure he was his confidant. He was his guy. I'm sure they stayed there in the office late night after everybody had left, bouncing things off, making sure they were on the same page in terms of preparation, game planning, scheming, whatnot, things along those natures. But you don't necessarily replace all of that with one person. So you could have a very, very good defensive coordinator, and I'm sure they do. But he's not Kirby. He's young. Uh, you know, and, and I'll go on the Auburn side of it. Uh, I don't care. Oh, I do care. From here on out, whoever we sign at linebacker, I know our linebackers are going to be good because Travis Williams is coaching them. He's mm-hmm. my favorite assistant coach at Auburn. Uh, Cadillac stunt? No, it's Travis Williams. And okay. it was because That's surprising. Uh, yeah, Travis was undersized. He was undervalued when he came out. He was not a blue chipper. He was a three star. He came out, but he was he ended up being an all SEC. I mean, he he's one of the great players in Auburn's history. Kind of like you under Lewis Washington's basketball kind of, team. Kind, kind of exactly like that. <laughs> except I was a talent. But he uh <laughs> he, Travis Williams knows how to coach that guy. You know, knows how to get them to play with an edge, how to yeah. play fundamentally sound, how to play with great technique, and I, and I think our linebacker play shows that we lost three seniors off last year's team, three good football players, uh, two of them in the league, and I think we're better this year, and I, I think we probably have a little better athlete on the team as compared to what left us, but Travis just knows how just knows how to push the buttons and get those guys to play, and as long as he's there. Auburn's linebacker play is going to be solid. I can't speak to the other stuff. I think Rodney Garner, as long as he's there, our defensive line is going to be pretty good. Um, we've had some issues on the back end. Uh, it's been a little better this year. Um, got exposed a little bit late in the ball game uh, last Saturday, and then we'll see if they can get that cleaned up. I think they certainly have the talent to get it cleaned up, but it is something that needs to be a focal point moving forward if they really want to play in some big games later. But, but Auburn's one of those schools that will attract a good linebacker and will attract a good defensive lineman, and, and it's always been that type of mm-hmm. school. 
uh, that's done that. But um, I think think one of the things about Kirby that Alabama missed the most is recruiting yeah. more than anything. Yeah. You hear the music. Yeah, Lord. I Top five. I'm going to tell you something. Shake up Saturday. And it's not a coincidence. You and I talked about this just a little bit. It's not a coincidence that Central Florida has not lost a regular season game in two and a half years. Last week, they went to number one in my poll. Mm-hmm. Guess who beat them? Pitt. Lee Mark Sellers' youngest son, guess where he's committed? Pitt. You don't think for one second he didn't watch this show, send out a text, send out a snap, send out a tweet, saying, hey guys, hey future teammates, you're drawing number one this week. Make it happen. Mm. Mm. I'm putting the bullseye on their back. Wow. Nobody else could get Central Florida, but I did. Not only does work beat Pine Bomb and Saturday Down South, we also influence recruiting. Yep. We sure do. There you go. How about that? Well, this week's top five, uh, and once again, mine's different than everybody else's, first and foremost, because I'm fair. Uh, I take what have you done, what are you doing in the moment. I don't care what you've done in the past. I don't care about the players you signed. I don't care about what you might do at the end of the season. Is what you have done. This is a fluid situation. This week, based off the two best wins in college football through four weeks, I have the Auburn Tigers number one. They are now officially the hunted. And they will have to show up Saturday for the trap game on Mississippi State. Shocker. Auburn number one. Number two, I'm going to keep it in conference, the Georgia Bulldogs. Maybe the most talented team from top to bottom. Had a big win over Notre Dame this past weekend. Notre Dame actually showed up better than I thought they would. Uh, Georgia was not overly dominant, but they were. you could tell they were going to win that football game. I was surprised by the score. I didn't get a chance was, to yeah. watch it. Did you yeah. watch any of I that? I did. I watched most of it. How'd the quarterback look? He was a game manager, unlike Bo Nix. <laughs> but he, he managed the game well. He did what he had to do to give his football team a chance to win. Um, Continue. Number three, I dropped Clemson. I dropped them again. Clemson is trending down at the moment. They are not playing great football, but they have that much talent. That's another shocker. That's yeah. Auburn ACC. Are yeah. you dropping them? Yeah, I'm dropping them. I'm dropping them. Wow. They slid another spot. Four is uh, you know one of my guys. I've, I've, I've got him neck to neck with, with Burrow for the Heisman Trophy, Jalen Hurts. I have Oklahoma number four. And then rounding out the top five, I have the Bayou Bengals. I think Burrow is just behind Hurts in the Heisman race, just behind Hurts in the top five. So I've got it Auburn, Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma, LSU, one through five. And then there's a bunch of teams wadded up behind them. We've talked about most of them uh, over the last couple of weeks. I'm watching Ohio State with a lot of interest. I'm still watching the Florida Gators with a lot of interest. Mm. I'm watching Alabama University with a lot of interest. University of Alabama. Um, so there's some teams there that still have an opportunity to to, to make a move, and uh, we'll continue to monitor that situation. Once again, it's fluid. Can I, can I see your poll real quick? No. I don't care. Man. I mean, um, your, your paper. Oh, yeah. Is that a hair gel? <laughs> you know what? Here's what I will say, and I'm surprised I'm saying this. So write it down. That's not a bad top five poll. For four weeks, that's what it is. That's fair. I mean, you could shake it up, and, and any of these could fall out in any different order, yeah. and you really, could, you really couldn't have much of a complaint about it's it. It's just body of work to this point. That's all it is. Now that you took UCF out, it, it's, it, it has some legitimacy to it. UCF took themselves out. I didn't. Well, you wouldn't have. And no, it no, I'm, been, I'm just a fair. I'm, I, think, the, but I, I think it is 
Uncompetent USA or whatever they're they in. Went two and a half years out losing a game. We may never see another run like that in the dynasty like that in our lifetime. We might not. I'm just saying. Two and a half years. Proceed. All right. There's a group of people each week that try to predict how bad one team might be another. You and I have tried to put out our picks <clears throat> that we thought were gimmies each week. Through uh, four uh, weeks, you're one and three. Not gimmies. ATS. I, I pick. I'm two Luffies. and two, but we both lost bad this past weekend. I took God the Tennessee Luffy. Volunteers. I took the points in Tennessee and got smashed by Florida. You had a little bit closer time with uh, Kentucky catching six, not getting it done against Mississippi State. That, that shocked me because I, I, I'd put some eggs in Kentucky's basket, and they, they let me down. But Mississippi State's played better than I thought. Yeah, they did. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're a better going, team than I thought. They, they, were they can run the football season. too. I, I question if their defense can hold up, but they, they, they will be a they will be a uh, they'll be a challenge Saturday. Who are you going with this week? Yes, Jeff. Auburn was part of that two and a half year run. I said regular season. Um, this week, this week, and you need a win, man. Bad, bad. So I mean, I hope you have given this some thought. I hope, Do you want me to go first? I'll go first. My pick this week. I'm going outside the SEC in terms of teams, but I'm taking an NC. I'm taking the SEC transfer portal case since that's the theme of the week. I'm taking Eason from Georgia. Yeah, I'm taking he and his Washington Washington Huskies. There's a group of people that think they're going to beat the USC Trojans by nine and a half points, and I'm going to load up and go with them. You're taking them. Blue Horseshoe loves Washington. Now remind me who USC got beat by. They have mm. not had a good year. They've won a couple of games. They had looked good. They beat Utah last week. Uh-huh. They beat Utah last week, which yeah. was, was, was an upset. And somebody beat them week before, and I can't remember who it was, but I remember I was shocked at seeing it. Okay, my pick is going to be an in-state team, Mississippi State versus Auburn. Okay. Auburn is given 10. When this first opened, one of the books I looked at was seven. And I was going to take Auburn at seven. Okay. When I got here, you said you might want to check the line again. And I checked the line, Vegas Shark or whatever it was on, whichever one come up first. Auburn was minus 10. I think that's too many. That, that, that gave me room for pause. But I think this is going to be Nick's fifth game. Mm-hmm. He's going to be at home. Mm-hmm. It's a night game. It is. I'm taking Auburn in the 10. He's a playmaker. All right. You were down. Auburn minus 10. Your pick of the week. So if they win, I win. And if they lose, I win. <laughs> <laughs> See how smart I am. Oh, we win by nine. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything else? Should we got Lee Mark to sign the helmet? I'll take it up to him one weekend and get him to okay. sign on to it. Um, Seven-year itch. Do you want to save that? Let's save that till after Mississippi State game. Let's just, let me just yeah. let me just table this Make until it. after that. Yeah, that, that's a great idea. Uh, great, another, to too. another great guest next week. We're trying to alternate. We're trying to, you know, work in some Auburn guys. We've had some Alabama guys. A great guest next week. I was really excited about this week. I'm really excited yeah. about next week. I would say 
and I think this is fair, one of the short lists of great players at Alabama, and they've got a bunch of them, Tyrone Prothrow is going to be on with us next Thursday night. Prior to his injury, he was he was David Palmer made over. He was David Palmer 2.0. Yeah, yeah. He was. I yeah. mean, he was amazing, an amazing talent. He's going to be right here on War Eagle Roll Tag and a call-in guest. Looking forward to catching up with him. I know we'll have a good time, you know, talking a lot about Alabama football and his experience, kind of like we did with Lee Mark. But uh, that's going to be a lot of fun, and I hope everybody plans to be with us as Tyrone Prothrow is going to be on live via telephone call. Hey, if you if you don't know who he is, Google it. Google Tyrone Prothero the catch, and you will be amazed about the catch he made by Southern Mississippi. And one of the I don't know if it's ESPN or somebody ranked it as one of the top ten catches, maybe number six of entire college football yeah, or yeah, something like yeah, that, or amazing. top ten plays. Anyway, it's amazing. amazing. And then he amazing. he suffered the the gruesome injury a lot. His injury was a lot like mine. Matter of fact, it, on, on several times, I've told people the Joe uh, Joe uh, Theismann or Tyrone Prothrow. That's kind of how my leg was, and so know, horrific. It, it, I, it I don't was, know if he's going to want to speak to any of that, but like he had a real, real. I think after the first surgery, there was an infection. They had to go back in mm-hmm. and, and open him back up and, mm-hmm. and get that cleaned up real good. I think that's right. I don't know if he's going to feel comfortable speaking to that. We certainly won't force it on him if he doesn't. I'll ask him about it because I, I, I battle yeah, mine yeah, for two years. Yeah. I still do. Yeah. But, Great uh, player. It's, uh, yeah, those are, those are, those are gruesome injury. But yes, he was a, he's a, he's an awesome player. And I, I, if, if what I read was right, I think he's back into coaching. So we'll see. Anyway, it'll be fun to try to catch up with him and, and, uh, and get some of his Iron Bowl memories. We appreciate everybody that has followed these broadcasts. We appreciate everybody that's interacted on the page. We encourage you to keep doing so. Tag and share. Get everybody in here. The more interaction, the more fun it is. If you have an idea for a guest, somebody that might be interested coming on with two bozos like us, we'd love to entertain the idea. Love to have them in here. What about the prize? What prize? Winner Skinner tickets. Do we have a winner on that? Okay. Leonard Skinner tickets, uh, courtesy of the market. Uh, they're down at the wharf. Our good friends, Elisa and Jason Hart. We'll try to get that posted tomorrow. I'll tell you what, I see that. How about between now and the weekend, everybody posts their predictions for the games. Games of interest. Auburn games, of course, Alabama games. We'd like to see uh, who gets it right and those that we can make fun of. Give me your prediction in the Alabama game. What do you think? I think it's like 30-something. I think uh, Alabama will beat Southern Miss. Not Southern Miss. Who is it? So miss. Oh miss. So miss. Uh, I think they will beat them 52 to 13. I'll take it. And they'll run for 17 yards. <laughs> and you're probably right about that. You done? Gracious. Yeah, we're done. It's been a great time here on Wiggle Roll Tide. Appreciate all of you being with us. Want to thank our executive producer, Ken James, for making it all possible. Uh, Once again, if you have some friends that aren't aware of it, like them, tag them, share them. Let's get a big group in here as the season rolls on. Victory Tour 2019. War Eagle. Roll Tide. We'll try to do better next time.